Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. The day after Super Bowl 56, and Brian Billick joins us on Sports Byline for Inside the Game, a feature he's been doing for a number of years with me. And, of course, he knows the NFL and football because he was the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens when they won Super Bowl number 35 against the Giants. Well, your overall thoughts about the game and particularly the tendencies, because I was surprised not to be able to see the Rams run the football like they did against the 49ers uh, against that Cincinnati defense. But I think that speaks volumes. How did you see it, Brian? Well, it was great. It was great to have a great game in a line of great games in, in a playoff field that was just spectacular. The games all the way through. Uh, particularly we got into the divisional round, the championship game, and, of course, the Super Bowl followed suit. Two two really good teams, and you kind of knew it might come down to whoever had the ball last in the way that they needed to do it. That 15-play drive of the Rams was spectacular uh, in terms of uh, what they were able to do to drive the length against the Bengal defense that had played very, very well. As you mentioned, it's uh, a little bit of a surprise that the Rams weren't able to run the ball. Uh, uh, against the Cincinnati defense. You knew Cincinnati might struggle a little bit against that Ram defense. They were so good and so solid all year long. But the Rams, who really became one-dimensional, it was Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup because they, too, did not run the ball particularly well. And once OBJ went down, uh, there really were limited choices. So just a spectacular game all around in keeping with the way the entire playoff field went. I think the league's got to be just thrilled with the uh, the way it all ended. Were you surprised a little bit that Cincinnati didn't uh, kind of change things up defensively when Cooper Cup uh, really started to get hot in the second half? I, I don't know what it is that teams don't do to be able to at least control him to some degree. Yeah, it was particularly that last touchdown play was one. I mean, they, they didn't want to give up the big play, so they got into kind of a more passive zone, which makes sense. It's just make them go the length of the field. Uh, certainly anticipating, not anticipating that they were going to be able to put together a 15-play drive. Uh, just don't give up the big play. Well, that lend itself to Cooper Cup sitting in the zones, and he and Matthew Stafford have developed such an incredible relationship in terms of you know kind of knowing where the what the other one's seeing and thinking. Um, but yeah, the last touchdown play. If there's one guy you don't want to beat you, I'm a little surprised that they just went up one-on-one to the outside. And you could see what L.A. was doing. They contracted everything into one, separated Cooper Cup one-on-one. Uh, a little surprised that they didn't double or bracket him and put that kind of pressure on their corner because you knew exactly that's exactly what Matthew Stafford was looking for. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know why you would ever try to cover, at least disguise what your coverage is, uh, but try to cover him one-on-one. And and what is it? You know, I did one of his games up at Eastern Washington uh, before he came into the National Football League, and there are players, you know this as well as I do, that um, just stand out. I remember John Elway at Stanford, Darren Nelson at Stanford, others like that. Uh, What is it about him? Because he doesn't have blazing speed, but he seems to have an instinct about where to be at the right time. And as you said, he has developed it so well with his quarterback that it's, it's unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, that's why he was a third round pick. You know, frankly, he's a slow white guy, you know, coming out (laughs) of a small school. So you can see, but, but it was just so productive then. And obviously has developed a relationship and Sean McVay's done a great job of, of isolating it and developing that relationship Matthew Stafford, who's you had some great receivers along the way. For him to say Cooper Cup's the most dynamic receiver he's ever been with, thinking that he had uh, uh, Megatron Charles Johnson uh, in up in up in Detroit, that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And and again, he's he's he plays with a quarterback's mind in that he sees the same things, he knows where to sit down, he has such an instinct on one-on-one coverage, and Stafford and he had that last little fade stop. I mean, that doesn't just happen. That, that Stafford knew exactly where he had to put the ball. Cooper Cup knew exactly how deep he could take the DB, when to have to turn, right when the ball was there. I mean, that's just uh, a nuance between quarterback and receivers that the great ones have. So a lot of people are probably going to be asking about the decision at uh, midfield to go for first down on fourth and one by Cincinnati. And I thought about it even after the ball game. And knowing their personality that got them to the Super Bowl, it was understandable. But you as a coach analyzing that situation, because it did lead to an opportunity for the Rams who capitalized on it to get an early touchdown in that game. Well, the fact that he did it so early, uh, I mean, that is the personality of what they're doing. They have great faith in the offense and what they've done, particularly during the entire playoffs, the last couple games of the regular season. Uh, And, and yes, as we say every week, Ron, it's looked – be viewed via the prism of if it works, you're genius. If it doesn't, you're the village idiot. And and because it didn't work, uh, now yeah, people are going to question that. Had he had he gotten the first down, extended the drive, had that lent to a, a, a score, then it would be a genius call, a brilliant call by Zach Taylor. So again, via the prism of yes, it did leave them vulnerable. It showed confidence in his offense. Also showed confidence in his defense that he thought his defense could hold up. Uh, obviously, you got to give the Rams credit for going the length uh, and obviously scoring, and ultimately was the difference in the game, notwithstanding that 15-play drive at the end of the game. Of course, one of the uh, big plays, certainly for Cincinnati, that gave them the lead in the ball game. T. Higgins on a long down the left side uh, run, uh, face mask penalty on Jalen Ramsey, and, and explain to everybody because I said it was not a blown call; it was just one in which the official wasn't in position to be able to call it. Yeah, we get to see it through so many different replays a thousand different times. I think there's something like 40 cameras, if I'm not mistaken, something mm-hmm. to that effect in a Super Bowl that obviously you get to see, you know, every possible angle. That one was pretty blatant, but you could also see by the angle of the official, he was not in position to see it. Now, the other deep judge might have had an angle to see it. Plus, we also know and the league says no, that they call it the same way they do all the games. But that's not true. They were getting away with a great deal, and that's typical of a Super Bowl. You don't want a lot of penalties called, and there weren't, uh, and, and little ticky-tack stuff. 
but it is different than the regular season. That's just that's just a fact. And that, that one was pretty blatant. It's unfortunate. Uh, and, and fortunately for the Rams, they overcame it because you'd hate to if, – if indeed Cincinnati had, had won, uh, we'd be talking about this a great deal more. But to only have six penalties called in the entire game, that's kind of what the league wants. Yeah, Joe Burrow, a young quarterback, uh, and I was very impressed uh, with his performance uh, in a game of this stature. What type of benefits will he take away from this game? Well, just the collective experience. I thought I thought he played. He and Stafford kind of went blow for blow. You yeah. know, really, uh, you could look at Matthew Stafford. Matt Stafford had two interceptions. Now, one of them wasn't his fault. Uh, we talked about last week how they, they were going to have to stay away from that, that the game might hinge on Matthew Stafford not turning the ball over. They did have two interceptions. Outside of that, these guys were, were very similar to one another. The biggest difference is Joe Burrow, again, got sacked seven times. And you knew with that Ram defense and what they were able to do, and that ultimately at the end of the game, you know, you had the 15-play drive by, by L.A. to put them in, in a position to win, and then it was ultimately the pressure and the sack on Joe Burrow uh, by, by Aaron Donald in the middle, uh, that was the difference in the game. In the seven sacks, this time they weren't able to overcome it. Certainly job one for Cincinnati in the offseason is going to be to get better in the offensive line, uh, either through free agency or the draft. But I thought Gerald Burrow stepped up to it. He showed his usual calm that he's had over the entire year, his entire career for that matter. Uh, they came up with a couple big plays, obviously. Didn't run the ball particularly well, but you really didn't think that they were going to. Uh, so I thought Joe Burrow was, was spectacular. And again, uh, the, the Matthew Stafford had just the one more opportunity in terms of, you know, converting uh, the one thing, third down efficiency. And I think you credit uh, 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 LA uh, for their keeping Cincinnati to three of 14. That was a big factor as well. Yeah. Anything else about the game that uh, will stay with you for a little while that you appreciated? No, I think, I think the game, you know, I've been asked all along, were these the two best teams? Well, yes, they made their way to the Super Bowl in a field where we could have made a case for anybody, notwithstanding Philadelphia and Pittsburgh maybe in the wild card round, where there were so many good teams. I don't think, are these dominant teams? No, they're certainly good enough to win the Super Bowl. We could have had another two teams in, in the Super Bowl very easily, and no one would have questioned it. Uh, but I think it was great for the league. It shows the parity in the league and that there really is no dominant team in the NFL right now. As they wrap up the NFL season with the Super Bowl, I'm just wondering, uh, in reflection, what do you think will come out of this season? I, especially the playoffs, the last uh, two rounds of the playoffs were just outstanding. But what do you uh, remember most about this season, you think? Well, that the 17-game the format works that there is equity in the NFL and, and that the playoffs are truly wide open. I think we can expect that going forward. Uh, the league has probably never been uh, – there's never been more interest in the league. Uh, the way they've changed and gone forward with the 17 games, the expanded playoff format was su- such a spectacular win, uh, were such good games. I think no one will question now in terms of – yeah, some people will still want to question should we have – two possessions regardless of the scoring in overtime all of the Buffalo and Kansas City game but outside of that I think the league has to feel very good about where they're at and let's uh, let's line it up and do it again come next year Brian I got to tell you I get so much reaction uh, from listeners who say they really appreciate the way you explain the game and the way you analyze it as well and of course you've been in it a long time and very successful thank you for another great season with me here on Inside the Game take care my friend Absolutely. Do it again next year. 
Brian Billick inside the game. Uh, He'll be back with us in the fall. Take a look at the key games in the NFL and explain it all to you. We continue with more of you and Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of sh**. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And love was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Mac Hollins joins us on Sports Byline, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. He was drafted by the Eagles in the fourth round after playing his college career at North Carolina. He won a Super Bowl ring with the Eagles when they defeated the Patriots in Super Bowl 52-41-33. And Nick Knowles, of course, was the MVP of that Super Bowl. As you watched the Sunday game, uh, what were your thoughts about what you saw? I mean, there were some things that really surprised me a little bit. I was surprised after seeing what the Rams did against the 49ers and running the football that they weren't able to run against the Cincinnati Bengals. Break it down for me a little bit. Uh, I, I got to call myself out here because I was on a flight back from L.A., um, so I missed a good bit of the, uh, of the game. But from what I was able to, to watch, I think uh, I think people underestimated the Bengals a good bit. Uh, I think it turned into a lot of they're in a hot streak. They're just kind of making their way. They're getting lucky through games. Things are just working in their favor. And in the NFL, that doesn't really happen. Uh, you know, you can get lucky for one game, but to make the Super Bowl, it's, it's certainly not luck. There's, you know, it might play a small, small part, but they have a lot of skilled players on their team. Especially Tell me a- the DMs. Tell me a little bit about the the atmosphere for a player and a team in the Super Bowl because the dynamic having I've covered about 45 of them I know what it's like from the outside but what is it like from the inside for players and teams It's a it's a lot of distractions for sure uh you know the game is the game you've played your whole life uh obviously there's some sort of nerves involved with that but in terms of energy or noise level like it's really not that high because uh, you know uh it's not either team specific 
home field. So it's not like one team has an advantage in that aspect, uh, unless you're, you know, fortunate enough to play in the same city that your team is, uh, like, like the Rams did, but it's just football. It's, it's a lot of stuff leading up, you know, you have media stuff, you have picture days, you got all this stuff leading up to it that can easily distract you. And that's why people oftentimes will say like veterans have been there before they understand it a little bit better. Uh, but, but once you, once you get to Sunday and that, that first ball gets kicked off, Everything else goes out the window. Everything has a rhythm when it comes to sports. And I think in the Super Bowl, the difference is you got a 40-minute halftime, which is a lot different than a regular season game. Uh, when you're in the locker room uh, at halftime, what, what, what do teams do trying to adapt and adjust? Uh, the biggest thing is just trying to stay warm. Every guy has his own thing. and But from a, from a team perspective, it's more emphasized in the Super Bowl. Like you said, it's much longer. You know, when you sit in there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like on a regular game, you don't even realize you're at halftime. By the time you get in the locker room, coach talks to everybody, OC, DC talks to everybody, and you grab a quick snack, you're already, all right, two minutes, back out. Um, whereas the Super Bowl, it's like, I mean, you really got time to sit down, eat, everybody's already said their words, and here you are with 25 minutes left, and you're like, now what do I do? The biggest thing is to don't, don't sit down in your locker and just, get stiff and not be prepared and have to have a whole nother warming back up just to be prepared for the second half. What will you remember most about Super Bowl 52? Uh, definitely the, the guys, the locker room. And it sounds cliche, but that's what, that's what really matters. You know, people ask me all the time, like, Oh, is the ring so cool? And yeah, it's, it's cool, but it's not really, it's not really something that I hold a whole bunch of value in. Uh, you know what? The value of that year is in, the guys, the, the year that we had, the hurdles that we overcame with injuries and all that stuff and still being able to come up on top, being the number one seed and being the underdog in every game somehow. Uh, so that's the stuff that I'll, I'll remember the most. Yeah, the uh, chemistry and the friendship part of it, that's what every athlete has always told me about because the journey in a Super Bowl winning season is really fascinating to me. Uh, were there any particular moments as you reflect back on that, Mac, that, that really stay with you and impressed you the most about that Super Bowl winning season for the Eagles? I'd say the fun we had. I think we were, and I may be, may be wrong in this, but I feel like we were, you know, the rules had just changed with the celebration stuff, and I think we kind of were really one of those teams that started those trends back up of the entire team celebrating, entire team running into the end zone after an interception, like, and that obviously goes into winning. When you're winning, you're able to do those things. And we were winning, we were rolling. Uh, but even more impressive, I think, was our, our ability to next man up. You know, obviously, coaches talk about it all the time, next man up, next man up. But to, for it to actually happen, uh, to have three of your five captains have season-ending injuries uh, and for guys to fill in and for us to still not only compete but to go to a Super Bowl and win uh, was so impressive. Your path to uh, the National Football League was a fascinating one. Uh, you received several offers to join teams, including a walk-on opportunity at the University of North uh, North Carolina. And if you could be accepted to the university on your own, then you got the opportunity. And usually that does not lead to an NFL career. Why did you make it? Um, I, guess, I guess I just um, – I'm confident – and then when I say confident, I'm confident because of the work that I put in. And I knew that no matter where I'd go, I was going to put in enough work to 
give myself an opportunity. And no matter what school it was, they were going to get a guy that was coming to outwork everybody and find a way to get on the field. Whether I was a bother to the coach with how much I was figuring out what I needed to do to get on the field or not, I was going to find a way. So it wasn't a hard choice. It was just a matter of where I was going to go, not is this the right choice for me is, hey, I'm wherever I'm going, I'm going to find a way. Do you remember the particular moment, Mac, during the course of your college career when you said, you know, I can play this game at the level that they're looking for? Because I know I talked to pitchers uh, in Major League Baseball, and I asked them, I said, do you remember the inning or the particular game in which you realized that you could pitch in the Major Leagues? And I've gotten some fascinating uh, answers, so I'm asking you the same thing. It's funny because I don't, I don't think I really do. I think people ask me, like, did you want to be in the NFL your whole life? And I think when I was like a little kid in third grade and they'd say, what's your dream job? I'd put NFL. But when <laughs> I was in high school, I was never like, I want to be in the NFL. I think I just like practiced hard, did all this. And then I went to college. And then when I was in college, I, I never really thought about the NFL. I never thought about the draft until, you know, my senior year, I think it started becoming like, hey, that's the next step. But uh, I think when I – got an opportunity to be on the field. If I'm on the field and I've become the starter, I feel like, okay, then I'm good enough. If I can start in college, I could, in my mind, I could play in the NFL and then become a starter. Uh, and that's similar to how I felt in high school. If I could be a starter in high school, then I could at least play in college and then become a starter. So there was, I wouldn't say there's one defining moment where I was like, I scored a touchdown. I was like, oh, yeah, this, this, I, I needed to be bumped to another level. Uh, the speed of the game, was that the big difference between college football and the NFL? Yeah, I think people say the game. I wouldn't even say it's just the game. I'd say it's the, the D-line and, and O-line. Uh, seeing the way those guys can move and cover space, it's so impressive. And just they're like just demolition crews. Uh, so learning how to adjust <laughs> how quickly. And I think they're the reason people say like the game, the game speeds up. Because everything else is faster, you got to get open faster, you got to separate faster, you got to make a cut faster. Uh, so it's all because of those dudes that are somehow three hundred pounds but run the same speed as I do. The, you're the perfect person to ask this question of Mac, and that is, I did uh, Cooper Cup's game, one of his games at at Eastern Washington, and I knew he was going to play at the next level very, very well. But he is not fast. I mean, he he's smart. He knows the game, and he has the instincts, has the relationship with his quarterback. As a wide receiver, a fellow wide receiver, what do you like about him? Coop's a great dude. So me and Coop came out together. We trained together uh, for the combine and all that. And people would always ask me, like, who's what the top guys coming out? And I would always put Coop in there. Uh, but I wouldn't – like you said, I would never say, is Coop the fastest? No. Is he the strongest? No. But what people are now finally realizing is you don't have to have those things. Or do they help? Absolutely. Like, would, would Coop be, even be coverable at all if he was the fastest player as well? Not at all. I mean, he's already hard enough to cover. Um, but – He's a phenomenal player. I remember him training during the combine, and like he'll be he'd be watching film on teams, and we're like, "Bro, who are you watching? Like, you're not even drafted yet." He's like, "You know, I'm just watching this. I'm I'm picking up on this offense." And like his his love and knowledge for the game is unmatched by anybody that I've I've played with. And now I think it's finally it got publicized when he had that post game interview when he was breaking down the defense. But that's how Coop has been since coming out of college. Like he he has a passion for the game. And that's why he's become successful because he understands openings. He understands his body. He understands what the quarterback needs him. 
I'm sure Stafford can close his eyes and know that Cooper Cup is going to be in a spot. I agree with you. Let's stay in touch because I want to follow your career. You're welcome here anytime on Sports Byline, Mac. Take care. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Mac Collins with us again. Wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. He was drafted by the Eagles. That was in the fourth round after playing his college career at North Carolina. And he won a Super Bowl ring when the Eagles defeated the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. You may remember that game, 41-33. to Nick Foles was the MVP of that Super Bowl, but Carson Wentz was also the quarterback involved with it with the Eagles at that time. And uh, he has been named one of five team captains uh, for the Miami Dolphins. We continue with more of you and Sports Byline. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. Side Network. Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Luis Garcella finally tells his story, and so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.